Hey everybody, welcome to Rockpile Talkpile, the official podcast of the Colorado Rockies subreddit. I'm Zach. And I'm John, Foster 15 And I'm Jack, user slash underbubble. I'm Evan, user uh, legacy3233. Guess I'm Zach17 as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, nice. So I guess it took <laughs> us a little while to hammer down the details of that uh, intro. You know, it took a long time to hammer down the details of... The Nolan Arenado eight-year contract. Woo! Oh, I shouldn't clap. I'm sorry. Yay! Yeah, don't. I would still clap. Yeah, I already clapped. clapped. It's too late now. That's fine. Um, so, who actually thought this was going to happen right here out of all of us? Me. I did. I Don was. Jack. I yeah. was hopeful, but I've been sitting prepared for most of the off season to be ready for this to be Nolan's last season in purple. So yeah, I'm, I'm in the Evan camp. I'm not going to give myself credit and say, I saw this coming, but he did have that one video where he's like, things are going really well. Yeah. There's a lot of respect on both sides. And next thing you know, boom, signed. If oh. you had asked me in like December, I would have been like, he's gone. He's gone. Also. Yes. Before spring, before, um, the free agent market was an absolute cluster mess. Um, I was, I was totally 100% on Nolan not re-signing unless we made the NLCS. And then free agency was a total shit show. And then I grew with Jack's great thing that he wrote about all the teams that didn't have money or weren't willing to spend money. And it was pretty much us and two other teams. I had a good feeling. Yeah, when you when you looked at it from a distance, I was like, wait a second. The Dodgers are terrified of a luxury tax I thought, but then they mm. off, apparently offered Bryce Harper like $45 million. Um, I don't know if that's per even year. true. That could have been like a Boros uh, apparition of lies. Like a Borat. Um, <laughs> and and that, it was like literally just like us, the Cardinals, and the Padres. In terms of like people who want to spend money and want Nolan Arenado like badly at places he would go, mm. those were like it. I think so, the Yankees or he could have like, been a Yankee. You know, yeah, he still could be a like, Yankee. The Yankees, Yankees were going to offer like him like there. six in four, years. In four years, he'll be a Yankee because, you know, New York. I mean, he might, but that's more because he wants to just follow in Tulo's footsteps. Get bad, get hurt in the middle of the contract, and then go to the what Yankees What are you doing? Eventually. What are you doing right now? <laughs> why would you? Whoa, why? John, why would you bring this evil? Erase all that. All right, yeah, podcast over. We're starting over. This can't be recorded. <laughs> I'll make sure to censor so, that whole thing. Welcome to Rockpile Talkpile. <laughs> also, I love um, you too, though. I'm sorry. I know. Um, so PDP was talking about how, like, there's all these players who, like, there's people saying, oh, no, like, cheap team can afford, like, a huge contract. And then how it was a- that's actually false. Like, the three of the biggest contracts until the Harper signing were, were the Rockies, the Padres, and the Marlins. The stand contract. It's because owners have billions of dollars with a B, almost all of them, including ours, and they just choose not to spend them, which some of it goes to other things. I'm not saying, like, the Rays ownership should go out and sign Manny Machado to a $300 million contract. I think they should. The Rays ownership should go out and build a new stadium. The Rays ownership should move to And they should finance it themselves because they have the money. Yeah. Like, don't you feel bad for Tommy Pham? He's like, oh, I'm going to go play for nobody. I mean, fam, Dude, he, 
He's he an angry person. He hit three even if he's a bad person with the Rays. Like he's doing fine with the Rays. I don't know why you even if he's, like crap talk your fans. Because there aren't any. Ah. Uh, I mean, I've heard that there aren't any because it's in such a weird place. Like, imagine, it's in a terrible spot. Yeah. It's something like a two-hour drive across a great expanse of nothingness to get there. There's no public That's transportation to get to the Trop, but it's also the Trop is an ugly, terrible stadium that no one wants to go to. Yeah, right. Imagine if Coors Field was in like Brighton or something. How often yeah. would you go? Don't do that. You'd no. have to drive past yeah. Commerce City, assuming you live in the Denver area. And, and then and then you'd be in Brighton of all places. That's awful. Ooh. I mean, other places have made it work. I mean, Atlanta. Yeah. Atlanta's weird, though, because they have public transportation that will drop you off, like, right next to the stadium, and it's very cheap. True. And plus, they I mean, built it, the, like, small capacity. Like, their capacity well, of their sh- stadium is, like, 30,000. Which Shea is in a disgusting part of... I'm sorry. Um, city is in a disgusting part of New York. Well, Queens. What can you do? they Oh, City's a beautiful stadium, but it's in Flushing, and, like, everything around it is pretty sketch. Well, is it Um, Yankee Stadium in the Bronx? mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's still, like, better. It's still Yankee Stadium. It's still better. Yeah. Um, So do you guys think that this Arenado signing is going to make the ticket prices more expensive? Who cares? They have no one on Arenado. I'll pay for it. Supply and demand. They get better. More people want to buy tickets. You raise ticket prices. Sure. sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine it's with not, that. It's not like we're going to be diving into a Yankees titua- ticket situation where it's like, oh, we we raise ticket prices to keep the rabble out. Yeah, like mm-hmm. how much yeah. do you guys spend on average? Like I've, I've only been to a handful of games over the past years because I don't live in Colorado anymore. And I spent 26 bucks on e- 26 for each ticket that I bought. So what is that? The most expensive tickets I've paid for the last two years were my playoff tickets. Yeah. 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 It also depends on the game, you know? Well, true. In the situation. And, I mean, we'll all go different places. Um, But if we're talking more, like, baseball-wide, do you think that there's going to be more Padres fans now? I mean, it's going to take them a little bit to get good. But eventually, yeah. I think think they're going to get some more heads turning their way. But I don't know. I don't I think the Padres are an organization that's particularly hurting for fans. Like, it's not an empty stadium. It's a beautiful stadium. People go out to see it. And there are Padres fans. They exist. I've met more Padres fans in the wild than I have of other teams. And there's and the Navy, you play. know. And they're the only team left. The Chargers are gone. They're the sports. They're the pro sports team of San Diego. Come on, San mm-hmm. Diego Fleet. Okay. Yeet, Yeet Fleet. <laughs> Fleet. So there's there's that. Um, do you guys think the Padres are going to be good next year? No. Good. They've got um, some pitching coming up, but if you expect them all to have breakout years, there's no way that's happening. They're all not going to okay. pitch it once. They're all not going to hit it once. Over under 78 and a half. Evan. This year or next year? This year. Evan. Under. Jack. Over. Nice. Zach. Under by one. Under by one. Dude, they're going to be above under, 500. I would I would not say they're going to be above 500. I would say they're going to be a 78-win team, which is why I did 78.5. Oh, yeah. So 
So I get 77 and a half, just so you look good. Just so you're, you're good. Dude, um, yeah, they're going to play a half game. Great. Teams with good bullpens always tend, or not always, but tend to outperform their, uh, what do you call it, the Pythagorean wins? Yeah. The projections. Yeah, by, by like a lot. And the Padres but, always seem to have a good bullpen. I don't know if it's going to be good this year. They Gates did trade great. Brad Hand and that other yeah. weird dude Yo. that has the tip. Have you seen that? Uh, what's his name? Adam Simber, the way he like, he like, Brings his toes in towards each other like he's like a little fairy princess. Yeah, it makes me uncomfortable watching him pitch. Yeah, that's one strategy. I mean, I like you. Did we actually lot, mention but... why we were talking about the Padres? I don't think we did. Oh, yeah, they signed. Oh, Manny I was Machado. just trying to get to like Machado. Years, you know? Ten years, three hundred million dollars. Big contract, large. Big I, large. Anyway, their starting rotation is not very good, but Machado's there now. Dude, and not very good is a huge understatement. Their rotation yeah. is terrible. Who's their best pitcher? Joey Lucchese. Joey Lucchese. Who's their second Casey. best pitcher? That's a better question. Robbie Erlin? Robbie Erlin. Erlin. I think he had negative war last year. Um, or was that Eric name. Lauer? It was like, no, it was like all of them had like four ERAs and they pitch at Petco. Yeah. This dude had a 4.21 ERA, which because he pitches at Petco Park, he had a, um, a negative 0.1 war. And he's their number two. Wait, who said Eric Lauer? Because I forgot about him. I did. He, he sucks. Oh, yeah, him. Okay. Well, they no, don't have terrible. Jordan Lyles anymore. Well, he's a pirate now. Good luck. Minus 0.3 war. 4.34 ERA oh. last year. That's What's Eric the Lauer. Zips on him? Uh, ooh, that's a good question. Probably complete trash. Let's see. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Zips says, uh, wow, 4.59 ERA, 4.58. Field independent pitching, uh, apparently that comes out to 0.9 F war, which I don't Z see. war. Or Z war, excuse me. I don't know how that works because uh, if you have an ERA or a field independent pitching like that, like that, you should be in the negatives if you're pitching. Yeah, you think. Whatever. Regardless, the Padres' staff, the pitching staff is terrible. leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah. But I mean, you get, now, you got, now you get Machado to go along with Myers. Urias is going to start, um, and then Tatis Jr. we're going to see probably sometime soon. Oh, he's going to be good. Got to work uh, on his defense, though. Right. And they said Machado's going to be playing third, which means that uh, who's the guy who just destroyed us last year that played third for them? Christian Villanueva. Oh, Christian. Yeah, oh. he's in the KBO now. Villanueva. <laughs> yeah, he's in the KBO Remember now. when he hit three homers off of Kyle Freeland? I know. It was a rough day. In I wish game. I didn't remember that. <laughs> And then also Renfro hit 31 home runs last year, I think. I want him yeah, their so outfield bad on the Rockies. Yeah, their outfield is surprisingly stacked. Franchi Cordero, Franmil Reyes, Will Myers oh, Reyes, for the I love 60 Reyes. games he plays. This is incredibly tangential, but I was watching the NFL Combine the other day, and there was a prospect in the Combine also named Hunter Renfro, and I had to do a double take. Yeah, the wide receiver for Clemson. Yeah. Anyway... Uh, so we were talking about the Padres. Um, the other big news is Bryce Harper will be a Philly forever. It is. The yeah, saga has sucks. finally come to a close. <laughs> After being sucks. told Bryce Harper to the Phillies is inevitable 92 times by baseball media. And but then, then he hates Philly when... another 50 times. <laughs> yeah, but do you he remember when we were all scared, Yankee when he's 38? Of course. Yeah. Probably retire Yankee for fun. Wait. How old is he? Is he 24? 26. 26. 26. So when he's 40, then he could be a Yankee. Yeah. Yeah. He'll be 39 when the contract ends. Because the contract no... is 13 years, no opt out. 
No. Why? Opt-out. I don't Why? The opt-outs are a thing for the players so that you have control where if you're good enough, you opt out to get more money, especially at Bryce's age of 26. He could have three tremendous years, just like Nolan could have three tremendous years in his mm-hmm. opt-outs after three years. And then Bryce could get another gigantic contract if the CBA allows for it the next time they do it. Instead, but he's going to be stuck thir- there for 13 years. It's a sure 13 years, $330 million. Is, it's an interesting contract. but was, Yeah, it's a lower Philly isn't the worst town, but I wouldn't want to be there for like 13 years. Well, apparently he and his wife wanted banks. to like him and his wife want to like set up a home. Like they wanted to be in some place forever. So this was there's supposedly some cute Bryce's stuff there plan. in Philly. He wants to bring the trophy back to DC. Yeah, baby. Uh, <laughs> um, out of all of them, I think Nolan has the best contract, though. Uh, that I will hand to Jeff Breidich. Um Like, or yeah, I, I do agree with that. Uh, I think Bryce's is way too long. Like, you don't want to really be paying him until you're 38. And I think that um, the – I'm surprised Jeff was able to get it for eight years. I was a little nervous Jeff would sign him for, like, 10 years, 320. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I got to say, for the amount of crap we give him, especially on this podcast, um, <laughs> he did an excellent job with that contract. It's a good contract. Really well done. And, you know, he, he's got the opt-out after three, and I think – this gives us even more an extended period of time to say, hey, you made the right choice signing the big extension with us. Yo, year of contention is now like 2021, 2022. Yeah. Versus, you know, Philadelphia and Harper are stuck with each other for 13 mm-hmm. years unless Philly can get Harper to waive his no trade clause right. or some other extenuating circumstance. And you. I'm not sure. Do you guys feel like it's, it's fair go. for me to say that Nolan Arnato is such a great player? That he that his healthy years are our year of contention. So we've got a lot of good like prospects coming up. But do you think that we are still going to be contending in twenty one twenty two? Or absolutely, that's a reasonable take. About? Absolutely. You look at the farm system. Um, so your biggest losses in twenty twenty one are you have Scott Oberg, Trevor Story, John Gray, Tyler Anderson, all hitting free agency at that year. Um, I think the biggest issue of all of those people is going to be Trevor Story um, or Scott Oberg. I don't think Tyler Anderson or John Gray are that big of losses, especially when you guys, and we'll cover this later, but when you have like pitching prospects coming up uh, the pipe, like Ryan Rollison, Peter Lambert, Riley Pint is a question mark. But you've got guys like like Ryan Rollison and Peter Lambert are very low-risk prospects. We've got homegrown pitching in the Mm -hmm. works. In the pipeline, a lot of low-risk three starters. So all you need to really do is lock down. If you can lock down Herman Marquez and Kyle Freeland, I think you can extend. Uh, I think you can really extend the period of contention to God, maybe even twenty twenty-four, just by having that that core of three and then so much good talent coming up the pipe, especially we'll guys coming- like Brendan Rodgers. And by that point, we'll have a bunch of our really unfavorable contracts off the books. Desmond is gone. McGee is gone. Shaw is gone. Davis is gone. That's implying Uh, that he doesn't just sign more unfavorable contracts when they're up. That's true. But at least a a bunch of the ones that are standing out right now are going to be off the books by that point. Is it possible that British is learning? You know, he wasn't doing this for a really long time beforehand. I thought the Daniel Murphy contract was fine. Yeah. Murphy contract was right in line with 
every other middle infielder. Granted, he's first baseman now, but every other middle infielder that signed. He got, he got the exact same amount DJ got with New York, I think. Yeah, yeah, the exact same. Yeah, and I think Daniel Murphy's probably. Oh man, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get roasted for this if anyone hears this. But uh, I on, think Jack. Daniel Murphy is the better. It's a podcast. Of the two. Hard people are not gonna hear this. He's the better fit for this Rockies, Rockies team right now. Yeah, he's a better fit. I if you if all things were being equal, I would pick Murphy just because of his bat. Because mm-hmm. I prefer the bat over the defense. I'm willing to sacrifice second base defense. DJ's great at defense, no doubt. I'm willing. That's the position I'd be willing to sacrifice. See, As it stands, I'd, we don't have to do that because of McMahon and Hampson and mm-hmm. potentially Rogers. Normally, I'd just, be on the other sure. side of that, where I do not like sacrificing middle infield defense. But mm-hmm. with how Murphy's bat, and I, I've no record. I don't like Murphy, but with yep. how his bat is going to help this team, and we've got solid guys ready to take up the helm at second base, I'm not worried we got hit righties speaking of which uh how do we think that the uh the battle for second base is going who do you guys think is going to win it ryan or garrett platoon mcmahon Uh, is certainly getting more time out there so far do you think they both make the roster yes yes there i i would be shocked if the opening day roster did not have both mcmahon and hampson on it same if this is the year of contention, you don't want to mess around with, like, service time stuff. I mean, you've you know? already started their clock. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. And so, basically, Hampson's... I think... I don't know about if Hampson's going to be, like, a better fit at the D there because I've seen McMahon's defense, and it's actually pretty good. It's just... I'm wondering if McMahon's actually going to start hitting righties rather than having that reverse splits from last year. So, what I read I mean, about that is um, he does not have those reverse splits in the minors. He crushes righties, struggles against lefties. And I don't know why he's actually had such good luck against lefties, but apparently he hasn't really caught up to a major league fastball yet. That's why you see so much of his hits going to the opposite field. That's why he's legs behind um, to higher velocity right-handed pitching. So that's, that's apparently what is happening. Eventually, once he gets settled and kind of becomes the player that he was in the minors, um, he will have probably honestly extreme right ready lefty splits yeah he his splits in the minors were much more regular and that's Hampson doesn't have like crazy splits so Hampson it doesn't matter but just to hide McMahon's weakness against left-handed pitching it would be best if you just platoon them at second and do it I would prefer it if it was strict as possible and I know Bud doesn't necessarily play that like if McMahon goes three for four the day before, he, and the lefty's up. He's going to hit McMahon there, which yep. is the way Bud is. But and I think they, considering they both have such good position versatility, um, I see no reason why not to have them both on the roster. Uh, yeah, and it's going to be nice if anything happens to Trevor this year because we actually have a backup shortstop, whereas yep. last year right. Trevor played 158 games because he hey, had to. We- we have a backup shortstop now. His yeah. name is Pat Valeka. Uh, his name's Garrett Hampson. That's mm, we've, you missed the boat. It's Garrett Hampson. But Valeka is destroying spring training. I'm, that's the transition. But can though. he destroy during the regular season? Yeah, no. uh, we'll see. I he, I don't want to no. see though. It's, it's so no. scary. <laughs> it's no, no seeing. If he gets on that roster, you know he's not coming back off. 
Not for like until July, no matter what. If he gets on the roster, that means Mark Reynolds is gone, and I don't see the Rockies doing that. Yeah, Mark Reynolds could honestly be gone, though, if he doesn't start hitting. I mean, he has the grand slam, and that's his only hit. Um, I don't think they care. Yeah, I mean, they don't care, care. but obviously, like, there's only... So on the bench, there's room for four people. You can assume both Ryan and Garrett are going to make it. That's one slot. Tony Walsh is going to make it. That's another. You need a fourth outfielder. I'm imagining that's going to be either Tapia or a freshly signed Carlos Gonzalez. Um, I... Dude, if Tapia like keeps making defensive miscues, I can see Bud passing on him entirely, and um, then going for someone else like Talkman or Cargo on a minor league signing. But like, the question is that fourth outfield spot: Hilliard or Jonathan Daza. I would uh, love to see Jonathan Daza, Daza but I don't think they're ready. They're, they yeah, both ready. they both didn't really tear up Double um, A by any means. They have neither seen Triple A. But you know how everybody wants to see Garrett Hampson play center. Jonathan Daza is Garrett done. Hampson, who already plays center. Hmm. That's, I mean, they have the same profile. They're slap-hitting, singlest hitters with high average and only good on-base averages because they just hit a bunch, and they're both super fast. Like, Dude, I, Garrett Hampson in center is Jonathan Daza. I think Daza yeah. is 65-grade fielding. I think that he's like— No, he's a tremendous center fielder. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, everybody wants Garrett Hampson in center. Jonathan Daza is Garrett Hampson in center. Yeah, he's insane. It's just, yeah. So That's why I like like him. two years. If in like two years we actually, you know, get rid of Murphy and get rid of Desmond, we can pop McMahon at first, finally, maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then we have Jonathan Daza in center, and then we got Dahl, and we got Chuck will be there still, so. I don't know. I'm yeah, not holding think- my breath that Tapia is a long-term part of this organization. I like him, but... Probably it's just international slot money to me. Forever and ever. Even like, if he, like, wins an MVP. Like, I'll just be like, should have been international slot money. one, Toppy's been slot money for you. Yeah. Toppy like, is I, worth, like, four award next year. J- uh, Jason, or no, John's like, oh, yeah, that's mm-hmm. a ton of international slot money now. Look at all the international slot money. Well, we talked a lot about offense. Um, why don't we take a quick break, talk a little bit about the, cons- uh, about the spring training games and pitching, and then talk about pitching. So pitching. we'll see you after the break. Welcome back to the Rockpile Talkpile. Uh, we were talking about how there's been a total of nine spring training games, which means there's really not much to talk about. It's an incredibly small sample size of people testing things out and young guns doing other stuff. But speaking of young guns, we've got Prospect Watch. Prospect two. Watch. That was my little intro. I'm not going to... That's better. Like air horns? No. I... Okay, wow, what a grand we entrance. Just go to like, you just go to Tampa or something the day after spring break. <laughs> Jesus. Prospect watch. Prospect, okay, anyways, on to the prospects. Um, <laughs> so we'll talk about starters first because we've got a lot of fun people in the system. We've got uh, two people who are identical, but one throws from the right side, one throws from the left side, and that is Peter Lambert and Ryan Rolison. They both throw uh, 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 like lower 90s. They're both like pitchability, mental, uh, I don't know, Kyle Freeland. They're Tyler Anderson. Yeah. yeah. So you got those Control. two guys. Um, so we can talk about Peter first. Peter is very close. He is uh, 
His ETA is supposed to be late 2019. Um, he's got an above-average fastball, above-average curveball, um, plus, maybe even plus-plus changeup. Apparently, it's very good. I don't, I don't really know why a changeup would be, you know, plus-plus. But um, also, got his a real control is 60 grade. Um, so he is very much reliant on throwing strikes. He does it very well. Um, but the problem is when he went to Albuquerque and started doing that, batters knew that it would be somewhere in the strike zone. They hammered him. He had like an ERA in the fives. So he mm. has a little bit of work to do. Um, so that's uh, Peter Lambert. Anyone got any comments, any fun facts? He's, uh, uh, he's 21. Yeah, he's really young. He's super young. That's the crazy thing is that he's, what, like two years or three years younger on average than the people he's playing against? Yeah, I mean, the Rockies have moved him through the uh, system quickly. They drafted him in 2015, and he, in 2015, spent time at Grand Junction, and in 2016, spent time at whatever our our low A was at the time. I think Asheville, maybe? Asheville. Yeah, Mm. and then 2017 was in uh, Modesto, not Lancaster, because we hadn't moved to Lancaster yet. And then in 2018, was with Hartford, dominated the double-A level, which is really where you see... um, Prospects uh, separate themselves as the double-A level. Then he got the bump up to triple-A later in the year. Um, like Jack was saying, not did not pitch as well. So I would just focus on his double-A numbers because you, one, have a larger sample size, and two, that's where he made his name. In double-A last year, 21% strikeout percentage, 3.4% walk percentage. That is tremendous for any pitcher at any level, especially double-A as a 20-year-old. Yeah, 3% is extremely, extremely low. low. Yeah, this, I mean, the, the kid's going to live in the strike zone, which at Coors is going to sometimes get him lit up, like we see with Tyler Anderson. Anderson will be great for four starts and then just get his tits lit for a start. And it's going to happen with <laughs> Peter Lambert when he gets here. You're just going to have to deal with it because you're going to have a lot more good than you do the bad. Yeah, he's very much uh, like Bettis in that respect. Um, Mm -hmm. He lives and dies by his command because his raw stuff isn't great. I mean, I did read that there's more projection left in his frame. Um, They expect that he will probably add just a titch more velocity. Uh, But the point is, if he is um, not hitting his spots, he's going to put up some crooked numbers. Like, like, you know, like he's kind of like Senzatella in that respect. Like we've seen him like, like, Six innings, zero earned runs, seven hits. And you're like, how did you do that? Uh-huh. Uh, and then he'll have other times where he gives up like five runs in the first inning, and you're like, okay, very cool. Well, he's not going to get. He's not going to case. He's never been like. He had one season of like eight point two eight K per nine, but otherwise he's hitting in the sevens and triple A. He just got lit up. His his BABIP in triple A was three forty five. Yeah, so that was rough. But he's but he's young, and I mean, there's this new thing that people are, some organizations just like move him on through and try to get him in quicker, you know, so that way you get them where their arm is fresh and before injuries, like Atlanta is trying to do. Yeah, a baseball prospectus um, thinks he does not have an out pitch, um, which is very very bad at Coors. You you absolutely yeah, need an out pitch, and we've seen it for Sensatella. Unless you can, God, master the art of soft contact like Kyle Freeland. Um, Be like a right-handed Francis or something. Yeah, he's got to work on that curveball a little more. That curveball apparently flashes plus, but it, as of right now, it's just above average. He needs more than that in the changeup, um, especially when he's only throwing 92, 94. Yep. Rolling on. 
Uh, speak rolling on to Rollison. Uh, that's not how you pronounce it. It's Ryan Rollison. Uh, same concept, um, although his ETA is late 2021. Um, he is a Kyle Freeland type fastball, 92-94 with natural cut. Um, apparently, this is from uh, Baseball America. The party piece here is a potential curve that shows good tilt, but can get slurvy on occasion. Um, and he is more or less the left-handed counterpart of Peter Lambert in that respect. Um, the risk is medium. Because um, he's a polished college lefty and had a good track record there, but has a short pro tracker record where he had like a single digit ERA. No, single digit ERA. What am I talking about? He had an ERA in the ones. Um, 1.86. Yeah, 1.86 in uh, rookie ball. We will see him in uh, Asheville next year. Lancaster, one of the two. Lancaster. You'll see him in. You'll see him in Asheville. They're gonna. They're. I don't know this for a fact, but a lot of the. They, at times they like to have pitchers work on changeups and sliders in our system to see if they can develop one. And if they can't, then they kind of shift them towards the bullpen. So uh, Rollison already has a changeup that's got a 55 future value on it. So I would guess we're going to see him work on that changeup more. But right now he's fastball curveball. That curveball is sweet. It's the really, command it's a kind of worries me. Yeah. Uh, 35, 45 commands. I have, I mean, I have fifty grade control. But we, yeah. I mean, we did see in Grand Junction that he, despite his command, he didn't walk that many. Mm-mm. I think he had a, a two point five BB nine, um, and he had ten point five K nine, and that's a that's a really nice. Split. That's a great Dude, that ratio. grand ball rate. I mean, at the same time, this is this is rookie ball, but sixty four percent grand ball rate is. Yeah, nice. so, I mean, we'll see how this changes as he rolls on through. Yeah. Uh, our minor league system, but it's a really promising start. Yeah, they're yeah. saying he's got a lot of deception that is really helpful. I don't know if you guys watched him in college, but he was just kind of a herky-jerky guy. Not herky-jerky like Tyler is, but more like Kyle, where he has a pause in his delivery that he'll throw in there every once in a while just to throw off your timing. Um, he's usually a pretty smooth delivery guy, but every once in a while he'll throw that hitch in his leg, and it'll really throw off hitters. I love like weird, stupid stuff like that. Like the, you know, uh, like the Russian. pitchability stuff is so much. Fun. Uh, Russin is canceled. I know, <laughs> but he still no. makes baseball He's fun. He's just fine. He does. When you he gotta have, Justin you gotta Turner, have some left who's not that. right. He's not Mike Dunn. <laughs> no, no. If uh, only we had a lefty. Anyways, uh, yeah, that's Speaking Ryan Rawson. Not- Those guys are our safer. Um, pitching prospects and if you want about the uh, epitome of unsafe um can i introduce you to my favorite riley pint riley pint my i love this guy um his future overall potential is rated at like his ceiling 70 grade number one starter justin verlander comps like it could like literally they're like he could be a hall of famer but also his his fastball reaches 102, and it's graded at 75. Yeah. Oof. No, he, he is disgusting. Uh, is, is, uh, this is the issue, though, is that he has pitched like five innings in his entire career as a Rocky, and they have all not been pretty. His control is rated 40 grade, and because he has not delivered when he has such great raw stuff, people have said things like, Riley Pint is probably not the sixth best rock prospect in this rocky system he's perhaps the second best or maybe not even on this list there's your standard deviation so 
When you look at that, he is the most extremely risky person because he could literally not even get past double A. That is how much risk we are talking here. Uh, uh-huh. But he's got four plus pitches. He just needs to know where to put them. It's just too loose. Yeah. And he has in uh, a 2021 ETA. Um, I think that is a, I think that is very liberal. Generous. I think it's probably 2022. He's got a, I mean, we drafted him in 2016. He's got, he's got a long way to go. Yeah. Cause he hasn't even been able to break into double a yet. No, he threw like nine innings in last year. Boise. He's, yeah. He threw nine innings last year. That's it. And one of them, he Not left even with an injury. 8.1. Yeah, he left with an injury after one of that. At the only start he made at Asheville, he left with an injury, and we never saw him again. Wasn't it like forearm yeah. tightness or something terrifying? Yeah, it sounded like it was going to be Tommy, Tommy John. John. Uh, and then it was like, and then it just, like, he just disappeared off the face of the earth, and it was like they're working on his mechanics. Yeah. So, Which I don't know what's going what, on. What Look, Prospect Live was saying about his mechanics is that there's, there's a big difference in his arm slots between his breaking balls, and he's been tipping pitches without knowing it. You know, again, he's just really, really loose. And I mean, this is really raw. It's one of the mm-hmm. issues with taking eighteen-year-old starting pitchers, right, with that kind of stuff so high in the drafts. I mean, they're they're the definition of boom and bust is high school starting pitchers with velocity. The man's also twenty-one years old. You know. He's we're seven yeah, months younger than Peter Lambert. We're talking about Peter Lambert helping us possibly in August and September to make a playoff push. And, and yet, people... Riley Pint does not exist in my mind. Yeah. In no, Grand Junction not. in 2016 and in Asheville in 2017, his lines are rough. Not good. They're rough. Like, uh, he, he started in 2017 with Asheville, 22 games, uh, put up an ERA of 542. And that's across 93 innings. He didn't give up a ton of long balls, only three home runs. But he walked 59 uh-huh. and gave up 56 earned runs. So he's got some stuff to work on. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not giving up on him. He's just, he's just no. 21. No. and no. It, it, no, he, He's so young. Yeah. If he can finally have a non-injury riddled season, he is going to – like. let's say that he has like a good season at wherever he's going to be, Lancaster – um, he'll be at Asheville. He's at going Asheville. right back to Asheville. He's going right back to Asheville. Okay. So he if he if he goes back to Asheville and puts up excellent numbers, like finds something, you could easily see him shoot right back into the top 100. Like well, that is how good his stuff is, is that all he needs to do is show that he has a teeny tiny ounce of control. And the Rockies are going to be careful with him. They're not going to push him through like they did Lambert and Hampson yeah. and others. He's They're going to be slow with him because if he does show promise – they're going to make sure that his confidence is there. So he's, he, even if Pint has a really good 28-19, he's not going to move up a level unless it's at the very end of the year. It's just you're not going to yeah. see it. Like, even if he knocks all our socks off this year, I think the 2021 arrival time is still pretty generous. It's optimistic. Oh, I think the, the Rockies take their time with him. He's going to spend more Full, more full amounts of time in Hartford and Albuquerque once he makes it up to yeah. level before we blast him onto the mound here at Coors Field and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. So that's Riley Pint. Uh, boomer bust um, to the absolute extreme. Um, and on to the last starter I would like to talk about who is mostly bust. His name is... I'm just kidding. His name is Ryan mostly Castellani. Um, he is the... Uh, 
Uh, on MLB Pipeline, he's our number 12 prospect, and he's unranked on any other system's top 10. So basically, this guy who was once our maybe 6th or 7th best prospect um, lost a ton of stock because he had an awful year last year. Um, to quote Baseball Prospectus, he looked like a different pitcher and not in a good way. His arm slot was higher. His arm action looked more rigid. Gone was the athletic delivery that garnered physical comps to Max Scherzer. There was more effort to sit 89 or 91. That's terrible, by the way. The slider was slurvier. He just didn't look right. Um, but 23 in double A, even as double repeater, isn't uh, necessarily a prospect death sentence because he has shown these flashes of brilliance before. He's got a 60-grade uh, fastball, 55-grade slider, 50-grade changeup, and 50-grade control. And uh, his ETA, uh, again, very generous, is late 2019. Um, he has to repeat double A again, and he probably has to sit in triple um, A. So we'll probably see him mid-2020 if we see him. Um, I know John Foster has some uh, opinions about Mr. Mr. Castellani. So uh, I'm out on Castellani. And oh. I say this with a heavy heart because there was a time when it was Antonio Sensatella, Armand Marquez, Kyle Freeland, and Ryan Castellani. And I, my favorite of that group besides Sensatella was Castellani. Mm. This kid in A-ball at Asheville had a minuscule walk rate, minuscule home run rate. And everything that you heard about him was was that he had a changeup that was better than his fastball or his slider. And I love good changeups. They're my favorite pitch. Having a good changeup's the best. And since he's gotten a double A, he was average in 2017, which fine, first time in double A, who cares? Second time in double A, you Terrible. get worse. And you get worse by a significant margin. Your home runs go up. Your walks go up significantly. Your strikeouts go down. Everything is trending in the complete wrong direction for Castellani. And, yeah, it, it pains me to say it, but he's a f- probably a future reliever. And at, I think best-case scenario now, he's Chad Bettis. And worst-case scenario, he's never going to make a major league roster. And I think you have much more likely of him never making a major league roster. If Chad Bettis is your ceiling, you're in trouble. Yeah. Oh, Chad. Castellani's walks per nine rose by two from one year to the That's next. That's bad for someone yeah. who... Repeating the same level. Yeah. And his, his case per nine dropped by one. Mm-hmm. Again, repeating the exact same level when you should be better. But... I mean, if he does end up in the pen, I wouldn't mind it because uh, the pen's going to have tons of openings pretty soon. For If there's some way for him to get bats out. And you also can't walk people coming from the pen. But You can't, you can't walk people. He's never, had, he's never had a high K per nine in any level. And his walk no, he's a pitchability guy. But I don't know. He, Did you it, see his home the, runs per nine double from 2016 to 2017? Yeah, like he was always uh, a guy who was low walk rate, low home run rate. He was pitch to contact, ground ball guy. And I just – having a great changeup is amazing. I love changeups. I love watching a good changeup. And he apparently has a really – had a really good one. And now it's just gone. Yep. Speaking of the pen, uh, which is not to include guys like Castellani – um, will include really good guys. Uh, we'll talk about um, the first guy who has already made a fantastic showing in spring training. His name is Justin Lawrence. 
J-Law. J-Law, baby. Uh, so quick overview. He sits the in the attorney. high 90s with a darting two-plane slider af- uh, a dozen miles per hour lower, all out of a twisting slingshotting delivery that creates a real tough pickup for righties and a pretty difficult one for lefties, too. Um, typically, these sidearming guys like Justin Lawrence get hammered by lefties, uh, but apparently because of his little slider change-up stuff, um, he's able to uh, keep the runs down from lefties, too. Um, so Just Lawrence has been pretty interesting this spring so far. Um, he's known as the guy who blew the uh, Arizona Fall League game in the ninth. I gave up a walk-off something to Keston Hira of the Brewers. Um, we'll probably see him in 2020. I'm going to hand this over to uh, Legacy um, to talk a little bit more about J-Law. Uh, so J-Law, in college, he actually started out with, he had a traditional arm slot, uh, and he wasn't really getting a lot of playing time, and he wasn't really seeing a lot of success. And so he used that, and he changed his arm slot down to that weird side mar- the sidearm slot that he's got now, and it gave him way more velocity on his fastball, so he's reaching those mid- those high 90s. Um, but he, he came in um, to, <clears throat> pardon me, in Asheville and wasn't, very good. Uh, he put up something like a 7.18 ERA. He had a mid to low K9 rate, and he got sent back down to short a Boise. And then when he got back down to Boise, all of a sudden he started putting things back together. And his ERA improved, his K9 skyrocketed, his walks went down, and he went back to Asheville and stayed really, really strong. Uh, looking at his, his uh, line from Asheville, he went 16 and a third innings where he only allowed three runs on 10 hits with four walks. He struck out 20. Uh, so <laughs> the stat line on that's a 1.65 ERA, a .86 whip, and an 11 point, uh, 0.0 K9 rate. Um, his, uh, his season got ended due to uh, he tore a lat. But then he uh, came back into Lancaster for 2018 and he looked really, really, really good still. Um, he had a few, some more walks. His uh, walk rate went up to 4.5 uh, for his BB9. And um, his ERA went a little bit higher and his whip went a little bit higher. But still was pretty good. He had a 2.65 ERA. His whip was 1.16. And his average against was only uh, 188. Uh, and he had a hit rate of something like 6.0 in Lancaster. And so he had a really good, uh, really good year in Lancaster with his uh, strikeout stuff. And he's got a great pitch arsenal. So he's got the slider and he's also got a changeup uh, along with his fastball. And we've seen here in spring training all of those so far. His slider looks pretty nasty. Uh, people are really excited to watch that. And if you watch some of the some of the video footage from him when he was in the Arizona Fall League, uh, that slider just looks so great with with its darting action on it. Yeah. yeah. The word to describe Justin Lawrence is filthy. That is the best filthy. Word. He he is what everything that we loved about Adovino and everything that we disliked about Adovino. He's twenty seventeen Adovino and twenty eight Adovino fused into one. He's gonna walk a little bit more than you're comfortable with, but boy, is he gonna make some dudes look silly. He's got good movement on his fastball with that high velocity on it. He's also got a splitter that he can use fairly well. Back in the day. I was then, the, my favorite things about him: home run per fly ball rate, seven. I mean, it's hard to even get contact on the dude, let alone square him up. And then the ground ball rate has been above sixty percent, dude. Twenty-eight 
2017, like, I mean, it's crazy. If you make contact, it's a grounder. Like, that's that's awesome. The The biggest issue with exactly Justin is always going to be walks. It's never going to be about him getting squared up. So, yeah, have him open an inning, you know? Hey, yeah, we're going to have Chad Bettis pitching. <laughs> oh, man. And he's. I know we're all going to miss Otto. We miss Otto. Oh. But with with this kid waiting in the wings, there's a lot to be excited about with getting some filthy relief pitching. That's crazy. Yeah. One of the prospects places said that you might, you might see him in 2019. Oh, I think you will. Yeah. There were, there were two fast, guys huh? that Bud Black said we that might see a little action due to some fast tracking. Um, it's Justin Lawrence and Ben Bowden, um, who I can talk about right now, too. Yeah, who's Ben um, Bowden? Ben Bowden is... Who's uh, this Ben Bowden? Ben Bowden, okay. So he's the one, he uh, honest to God, or... left-handed uh, relief prospect Bowden? that we have, which is nice because when your left-handers are Jake McGee, who has reverse splits... And Mike Dunn, who is bad, and uh, <laughs> Chris Russin, who is bad, maybe I don't know. He was He's he was pretty fine. good at the end of last year. Let's um, hope. Fine. Let's hope. Yeah, but basically, you got this guy who's probably going to be able to come up in 2019. So here's here's what we know about him. He's not as exciting or as flashy or as sexy uh, as Justin Lawrence's profile. He's got a 92 to 95 mile per hour fastball and since 97, but it also features late life in his steep downhill plane, which pumps up the ground balls. Um, and apparently he has a pretty good pitch mix. Um, this is one of those guys I think that they wanted to see if they could use him as a starter, or I think that Ben Bowden wanted to be used as a starter. He was like, let me try this. And they were like, okay, but if you suck, you're going to be a reliever. And he was like, okay. And then he sucked and then he became a reliever. Um, but uh, apparently there's a good chance to become a setup man um, with closer as a possibility if he re- further uh, refines his slider and command. That's big talk. Um, so anyone know anything else about Ben Bowden? The fastball's just, got some sink. The thing is his changeup has got a 60 grade. Oh. You know, Which I has helped him out with these tremendous strikeout percentages. I mean, in oh 2018... In A ball, he had a 37K percentage. And in 2018 at Lancaster, he had a 33K percentage, K percentage which are just disgusting numbers. Dude, strikeout minus walk percentage 29.4 and 23.7. Yeah. So a lot of people Love go that. by uh, strikeout nine. Um, to put that in perspective, uh, that's a 13.5 strikeout per nine rate. So he's, at, he's striking out one and a half dudes every inning he comes up. Disgusting. That is that is a massive number right there. Uh, especially. Do you for see him in twenty nineteen? Again, probably not. Yes. It would. Uh, I mean, you will see him in September. But as far as before that, um, I think that probably says more about how uh, Harrison Musgrave, Mike Dunn, and all those guys are doing. If they really oh, want to open up a um, yeah, Musgrave is terrible. Um, so I hope we <laughs> which is a see shame because I I really love Husky Musky. But... Oh, he's, I, oh, Husky Musky. No, I I love that Husky guy. Musky. He's just um, I like him because because he's you know he's fun. You know he keeps uh, on the edge of your seat because he walks like seven guys in inning. You're like holy shit, <laughs> and then um, you know sometimes he'll strike someone out. You're like all right, we're back. Um, no, so he sucks. In- what's interesting about both those guys? They're both 24. You know, it. I mean, you still got to get the experience to like see what you got and where you've got it. But right, if well, we're that, really, if we're trying to build a team and get people there in their prime, I'd yeah. say 
fast track him. It's not like he's I mean, like a 19 or a 20 year old. Yeah, Bowden, Bowden was supposed to be here already. He just suffered an injury in 20 at the end of 2016 that made him miss all of 2017. The the plan in drafting Bowden and then Robert Tyler later in that same draft in 2016, which was also the Riley Pine draft, was to get Bowden and Tyler to the major leagues by 2018. And unfortunately, Robert Tyler's just been terrible, and Bowden um, Whoa. got hurt. Whoa, don't talk about my boy Tyler like that. Um, oh, I'm sorry. All right, all right. So that, that, okay, so Ben Bowden is he good. Make it. Huge strikeout numbers. Uh, him and Justin Tyler, you're going to find, are going to be kind of the faces of the... Um, Justin Lawrence. Oh, sorry. What did I say? Justin Tyler? You did. Okay. Yeah. Well, we make Justin boy Lawrence. bands now? Uh, I think both of those guys and, you're going to probably see as the kind of the faces of maybe a new Rockies team that has learned how to develop relievers. Um, you know, yeah, we'll yes, see we because we, we have we'll never see. been able just, to really, I really do that. Like, I really like Bowden's pitch mix. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his, his stuff is not as flashy as J-Law's. But, you know, he's still got a 60-grade fastball that hits low to mid-90s. I think it peaks at 97. And just that great pitch mix and, and solid control makes him really interesting. And he's he's looked really solid so far in spring mm-hmm. training. The thing so that... I've um, seen more of him. The thing that got him in 2017 was a bulging disc in his back that required surgery, Oof. though. Yeah. He was so, supposed to be here already. It's, But still, you got a bulging disc and you're a pitcher. That's it's probably sad. bad. It's risky. I have no idea that's how why, Jake McGee doesn't have back pain. Have you seen his wind-up? Yeah. There's so much stress put on your back. That that gives me back problems just watching him pitch. Um, like watching Tyler Anderson pitch. It hurts my leg. Oh, God. All right. All right. Uh, and so we'll talk about Ben Bowden's um, – uh, draft mate, Robert Tyler, who is uh, previously mentioned. Again, drafted him to be a starter, sucked at it. Or they drafted him with the intention of him being a reliever, but they wanted, you know, they were like, sure, we'll give you a shot as a starter. He sucked because he has no curveball. He has no third pitch. They were like, okay, uh, you're going to be this now. And so he's got a 75-grade fastball. So it's a it's a 96 to 99-mile-per-hour sinker that is known to touch 101. Uh, and his second best pitch is apparently a changeup with sink and fade that is plus at all times. So what we're talking about here is more or less just a guy who's going to strike out a sh- crap ton of guys. Um, actually, no, that's not true. Never mind. Mm-hmm. Only eleven. Mm-hmm. Only eleven K nights. So not like you know Ben Bowden numbers, but good numbers. Um, I think he's only got a forty grade control. Yeah, which is yeah. weird because his walks per nine was two point three. But uh, this guy has a sweet fastball. Um, unlike the others, like Ben Bowden, you're probably not going to see him until late 2020 or 2021. But he's another very interesting um, prospect. Anyone else know anything about him? I mean, I made my opinions known. I don't think we'll ever see him make the majors. Whoa. He, he's, he had best fastball quoted for him. Yeah. But, I best mean, fastball in the system. Yeah. But, I mean, if we see him in the majors at all, he's going to be exclusively short relief. He's got durability and reliability concerns that just you don't. Really if you have know. best fastball, you need best command. Do you? Or can you just I do mean, really all he, he, all he has? Unless you're Jordan Hicks. He has nothing else. <laughs> he has nothing else. He just has the fastball. Yeah. Just has the fastball, and it still gets lit. Yeah. Mm. I don't like to hear this. 
Because his ear. I'm sorry. I'm just ERA being honest. Year? Oh, it's 5.10. Oh my God, 5.10. Okay, you know what? Yeah. I thought Robert, Robert Tyler was someone else. Um, I'm sorry. Robert's he had just, a chance. I think this guy actually kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah, oh. I'm sorry. I just dude. He was, I, was, I think he was out of Georgia, and he was a, he was like this. He was their closer at Georgia, and then he was like, I want to try and start. I've always done starting, and. Mm-hmm. He was terrible in 2016. He missed 2017, and I don't know why. I don't remember even uh, hearing that he got Oh, see, I didn't even hear he got injured. I remember hearing Bowden got injured. Was it Thomas Jonathan? That. No. Oh. Every time you find something about him that you want to like, you find something that you don't like. Like in his 2018 in A-ball, he had like a 1.64 walk per nine, and he had an XFIP of 1.83, and a home run per, per nine of 1.17. All right. I mean, uh, he wouldn't be the first person that I said isn't going to make the majors and then turns it around. Hello, Trevor Story. So You thought Trevor man. wasn't going to... Isn't that your flair? Dude, all he does is yeah. hit, man. I saw him. I'm just saying his double-A numbers were real bad. Well, and then he and adjusted. Tyler, he got, he got promoted to Lancaster and then... Got lit. Just He got lit up, I think. Uh, yeah, 9.64 ERA. In, in 12 appearances... Uh, he only had five appearances where he did not allow runs. Yeah. Do I do like? Do I do like thirty seconds on the other guys who we can like do thirty seconds on? Okay. Uh, I just Jack, can you indulge me and talk about Jesus Tonoko? Yes, that's exactly all what I was right, going to say. All right, I was going to talk about Reed Humphreys, but uh, I guess we can talk about He's Tonoko. More, all right, Tonoko. Reed Humphreys more intriguing. Uh, yeah, he is intriguing. So I want to talk about. He's him more too. intriguing these than are, These are the last two we'll talk about. I can't believe I wasted time on Ryan Castellani. Um, Jesus Tinoco is uh, the guy that we got in the uh, – he was like the throw-in dude in the Tulo trade. Um, He's he, the only one left. Yeah, yeah. Um, Hoffman. Well, Hoffman, but does he count? Um, Tinoco yeah, so, has a 60-grade fastball, 55-grade curveball, 55-grade slider, uh, and 45-grade control. So the control is where um, they think that he uh, – is not actually going to be a starter, but it's probably more going to be like a reliever. And I think that the Rockies are starting to see him more as a reliever now. Um, so Tanoka's best pitch is the fastball. It ranges from 93 to 95. Tops out at 97 with sink. Um, he's a pair of power breaking balls. Wow, that is phrasing. Uh, with his curveball and slider, both plus pitches at their best, but also inconsistent. Um, and so he started out uh, the year in A terribly, but he struck out 14 uh, en route to a 1.72 ERA and 1.09 whip to finish 2018. So he's kind of turned it around in the second half, and the Rockies are thinking that uh, we might actually see him in 2019. Uh, what do you guys think about Tinoco? So here's why I want to talk about Tinoco. As Jack mentioned, he can touch 97. That's as a starter. He's never been used out of the bullpen in our system. Eventually, he's going to be converted to a bullpen arm, guaranteed. And that fastball is going to tick up. And he might be able to touch 100 consistently. And like Jack was saying, he's got power breaking balls. He's got a great curveball that if he's throwing 100 and he throws an 80-mile-an-hour curveball in there, nobody's going to touch it. If you had a reliever with two good breaking balls, I would love that. Oh, that's Wade Davis. That's Wade Davis, converted pitcher, converted starter. What I like? Here we are. The thing I like about Tinoco right now is he... His 2018, I mean, 2017 through 140 innings, 2018 through 140 innings, and he raised his K per nine by almost two. He's at 8.43 now. He lowered yeah. his walk rate. 
you know? Yeah, he got better going to double A, which is, again, like I mentioned earlier, where you separate yourself. Mm-hmm. He got better from Modesto to Hartford. But the problem was the long balls. Eh. Something I like about Tonoko is just that he looks so much better now. In 2016, he was terrible. Yeah. He looked uh. totally ruined. He looked completely out of sync. And um, I read that the the Rockies actually left him unprotected for Rule 5. And then he managed to turn things around the next year. And uh, I like that he was able to able to turn things around. It's always nice to see. Yeah, Tinoco's it's like Justin Lawrence, Ben Bowden, and Tinoco are like my three bullpen guys that I see coming up either late 2019, early 2020, and being power pitchers for us. And, and we're going to need that because we've got guys, yeah. I think three guys are probably going to be free agents uh, pretty soon. There's um, mm-hmm. uh, Within the next two years, we will lose Chad Bettis, Mike Dunn, uh, Jake McGee, Brian Shaw, and we might lose Brian Shaw before spring training. All right. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think it's going to happen. But, um, I know. The point but is if you're only lose we could just forget him. But so you're going to need guys to backfill them. Um, yeah, that last guy is Reed Humphreys. Um, I'll just go a brief overview. He's, again, less sexy than the rest. Um, he's got a 65 grade fastball and 60 grade cutter, uh, 50 grade slider. He's actually got decent control. Um, but what I'm reading here is that he can overpower hitters with his fastball, um, which apparently was once 92 to 95, but is now 95 to 99. Um, and he's got a cutter. So he kind of lives and dies by those two pitches. Uh, reading that if he can throw a few more strikes, he could be a closer, which is, mm. you know, big praise. We have to, you know, take that with a grain of salt because relievers are, uh, they're confusing and they will break your heart. Um, but he could be up as soon as late 2020. Um, I don't know. What do we think? He's obviously not in the uh, Jay Foster trifecta of doom, but he could still be good. Yeah, I like Humphreys a lot more than I like Robert Tyler. Um, his double-A numbers, it's only five innings, so I wouldn't worry about them at all. Uh, they weren't good, but five innings, first time in double-A. Um, and th- this was after... Um it was okay, J-Law sure. that was expected to get moved mm-hmm. up to Hartford, and then Reed Humphreys went instead. Yeah, and like Jack was saying, he he's fastball, he's got a four-seam and then a cutter. Um, kind of a strange pitch mix to have as your two best pitches. Um, so I think that that's part of the reason why, um, one, he's been successful, and two, that the Rockies are moving a little bit slower with him, just because it's an odd pitch mix that you don't normally see. Um, in 2017 in Asheville, um, he had a 27 strikeout percentage and a measly 3.4 walk percentage, and that was in 45 and two-thirds innings. So the most pitches he's thrown, that was his best strikeout percentage, and his, or his second-best strikeout percentage and his best walk percentage. I like his X nice. trip a lot. What I really like is the uh, 2017, 2018, all in total, sub-200 batting average against. Yeah, I... I, anytime you want to look at a, a reliever prospect person, I mean, strikeout percentage, walk percentage, um, if you can get home run percentage or home run per fly ball, that's the type of stuff you want to look at to see if they can get moved up. And then you can look at opponent's betting average and other stuff. That'll really tell you if the guy's pitching well at his level. Nice. So in conclusion, our uh, system has a lot of promising prospects, and I generally pick the ones – 
um, who were either high profile or had a pretty good chance of coming up and making an impact. Because we don't want to lead you on with like, uh, you know, oh, I mean, Riley Pine's a good example of this, but like, I don't want to say Riley Pine's literally Justin Verlander, but the point is, uh, the competitive window for the Rockies is not over in 2021. We're going to lose some people, some big people, including Scott Oberg, but that doesn't mean that, you know, 2021 is the end. Because we've got lots of guys who can come in and backfill. Um, people are going to leave, like John Gray and Tyler Anderson. John Gray's leaving. I, and I like I we've know. seen, I feel like it's, we've... A, it's an issue to overpay relievers because they are very volatile. We've seen that with the relievers we've signed so far. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's best if you can home grow almost your entire bullpen and then supplement it with other guys. Um, like a Wade Davis or Craig Kimbrell or something like that. If you can build a uh, six or seven man bullpen out of just homegrown guys, then you spend significantly less money in your bullpen and you only have to go out and find one or two free agents. And that gives you a lot less mines to avoid. And I would love to avoid, you know, spending this much money on a quote unquote super pen again. We can have these homegrown guys ready to rock. I mean, I've we've got a lot invested in re, in um, in our, our lefty um, Ben Bowden. Then, you yeah, know, he's going to be a big one. We has he has to succeed then because we he's our lefty reliever. Yeah, keep in mind all the other guys we mentioned were our righties. Our righties. He's our only lefty reliever, and right now that seems to be like. Shaw got split off on, not only because he's Shaw, but because he was facing lefties today. Um, and then O can't face lefties. You know, um, Russell will probably be gone soon. We're not going to have Mike Dunn. We're not going to have McGee. Praise so. God. Something to keep in mind is that Major League Baseball has um, put forth the idea of making a three batter minimum for bullpen arms. So yeah. it. In the future, it might be not worth it to have strictly lefty reliever, loogie guys, strictly rugi guys. Um, and so with someone like Bowden, who can pitch to both sides, but is especially effective against lefties, if he's going to face two lefties out of the three that you see, he'll be still effective because he can still face righties, yeah. but he dominates lefties. I mean, sure, that's a fair point, but we still have like no lefty relievers in the system. Yeah, we'll you know, and sign. even and even if you, it's just going to time. It's going to be if you get that part of the lineup where there's two lefties that you're going to have to face anyway, whether or not you've got a loogie for one batter or not, you know, you're going to have to have some lefty, and we're we'll have to overpay on another lefty. I mean, I'm always in favor of re- of signing starting pitchers who have been mediocre to bad, and then turning them into bullpen pieces, like a Wade Davis. Who does that? The Rays. That would be my don't the raise my, that would be my way of seats. doing it. Would be you've been a bad starting pitcher for four years. Come be a reliever. I love it. Let's see. I'm kind of curious who are going to be. We all of our our Shaw and McGee are here in next year too. Is that true or not? Yes, yes and you got to pray to God that their options don't best for 2021. Uh, McGee's looks like it's pretty solid to best. Uh, well, 
it, it'll all depend on how he pitches this year, next year. I think yeah. both of their options either vest. Mike Dunn is a six pitch, million option. I think it's if they pitch sixty innings in twenty twenty or one hundred thirty innings combined in these next two years. So it's all the, dependent on how much they pitch. They will pitch less if they suck, but if they're good enough to get those options to vest, you probably want the option to vest regardless. Will they pitch less if they suck, though? I mean, we uh, still got Shaw for, like, 61 appearances last year. Yeah, well, he he used Shaw a lot through June. Uh, and, like, Bud Black was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. Like, oh, it's Coors. We saw it with Jake McGee. You know, he figured it out in the second half of 2016. Uh, I think he was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt until he gave up six runs versus the Diamondbacks on, like, I think June 9th. I, I remember it was a game that I watched, and I was just, like, turning off my TV because he had, like, an easy play. Um, like a ground ball that was hit to him, and he airmailed it into the stands. I remember. I, remember I was that. like, "Oh my god, Brian Shaw's a." Can you just do one mean. thing right? Yeah, well, one thing, like literally toss the ball to first. Yeah, and it was so the interesting, like, like John Jay, who wasn't like fast. I remember being like, "Seriously, mm. <laughs> amazing." So the 2019-2020 left-handed relievers class, everybody's above 30. That's uh, fine. Which is fine. We got Tony Singrani, Jake Diekman, Sean Doolittle, <coughs> Brian Dunsing is 37, Zach Dukes 37, the Mike Dunn 6 million club option with a 1 million buyout. 6 million. Oof. Aaron Loop, who probably can't do anything anymore. He's is terrible. Aaron Loop even still playing? Yeah, yeah he got, he's on he's the Padres. Option. He's in the Padres bullpen, dude. Oh, man. He had that one good season, though. But he was retiring. <laughs> If only. Oliver Perez, Hector Santiago, Will Smith, Johnny Oliver Perez Ventures, could be like 50 then. <laughs> Oliver Perez is going to be 38. I'll have you know. <laughs> Seriously? I feel like that he'll dude's still be young. 38. He'll still be younger than the end of Bryce Harper's contract. Nice. Ugh. Nice. Full circle. You just got to hope You gotta hope Chris Russell gets good. He will. Uh, he's fine. He's fine. He's fine. You're bringing up all these old folks, but it just makes me think of Jesse Orozco. Yeah. <laughs> who I think pitched from a bullpen until he was 46. Is Jorge could be Del Jamie Rosa Moore a free agent? Uh, I think he, he's signed. Yes. yes, yes, he is. Nice. At Royals or something? Or Zona? Where yeah, is Del Rosa? Cubs. Is he? I think he was, yeah. That was last year. Oh. I don't think they resigned him. Oh. Well. He's 37, and he looks like he's a Cubs hat on right now. Yeah, that was 2018. He played for the Cubs. He was he came into that wild card game. Oh yeah. Nice. Anyway, no. um, I guess we're uh, gotta finish up and see what's gonna happen in spring training. Um, All right. So we'll be- to wrap up to wrap up the pod, who has a better season between Machado, Nolan, and Bryce, Zach? Actually, Nolan. Jack. <laughs> um, dude, I, I'm going to get... He's thinking too long. I'm going to get murdered for this. I'm going Bryce. Okay. Evan. Bryce. Nolan. I'm going Nolan as well. I just think Machado no. is just not going to have the same kind of season. Because no. he's going to just the one, Who's the only one who's clubhouse. comfortable? Who's the only one who's comfortable and has had a full off-season workout to know where he's going? Dude, he's going to get murdered in Petco Park. That place is hell for hitters. He's And he's probably going to get angrier, you know, not doing as well with that, like, switch, and then I'll get to him or something. 
Not that Nolan doesn't get angry. Either, right? You know. Plus, I mean, Machado also has his work ethic concerns. Yeah. And now that he's got his big fat contract, is mm-hmm. he going to try as hard? No, Bryce, he'll still mash. Bryce still has mash. an ego, and he's moving to one of the most left-handed hitter-friendly parks in the entire MLB. Mm. Like a, th- this dude who wants to win a title, who's playing with one of the most stacked teams right now. He's gonna put on a show, and he Phillies are that dude. Stacked? I think Nolan is more consistent. I think you can literally put in the books Nolan for a five, five to seven war season right now. But Bryce sure. Harper's ceiling is, no offense to Nolan, I know. is I know demonstrably it's, I know higher. higher. I know, but he but he's not been he has no idea where he's been going for months. I don't think Bryce Harper cares about that. Bryce's last couple seasons haven't been as impressive, and you think the Phillies? I mean, the Phillies did get a lot better this season. Dude, no. I don't think he cares about injury anymore, so I don't think he's going to play as conservatively. Perhaps, perhaps. I that know, was I, his thing last year, is that he was saving himself for a contract. Yeah. The Phillies just don't seem like a complete team somehow, you know? They're, Dude, they're I, both, I agree. They're, Something feels weird about Their rotation isn't quite settled to me. You know, like what Pavetta is going to be like amazing all of a sudden. And their, and their, like, uh, their bullpen is like, well... Yet, yet some pieces. Dude, and they have Scott Reese Kimberly. Hoskins Scott playing Kimberly. in left field. I think their pitching is going to get a hell of a lot better just by the fact that Reese is no longer playing left and Carlos Santana is no longer playing third. They were Perhaps. doing both of those things. Perhaps. They're terrible. All right. All right. So that's the pod, huh? That's the end? <laughs> no mas? No, I think I think no Moss. I think most of us think Nolan made the best choice of his life. Oh yeah, and yes. we're so happy to see him. And I'm gonna get some more Nolan jerseys. Yep, I'm getting I, uh, I bought my first Nolan jersey finally the day he signed. Attaboy. Um, but you know what? What's really weird? I was talking to somebody and they were getting all. Um, they said something like, "Man, the." Rocky's Twitter sure is going a little overboard about Nolan, and it's like, why wouldn't you be happy? You may especially have, it's it's the Rockies Twitter. You may have signed the best player to play third base in history, possibly. I mean, that's from like Brooks Robinson said that about about Nolan Marinato. I mean, who's that one dude who used to write for Purple Row who was just going through tweets of saying uh, he was going to play for Brian the Dodgers? Kill Patrick. Oh, yes, I okay. liked every single tweet. I went through, I searched his name, and I just went through every <laughs> one of his tweets that said, eat my ass, and I liked every single one. Perfect. Well, that does it for the Eat My Ass uh, podcast. <laughs> come, on back, come on back next week for more of the quality more, content more you expect. <laughs> All right, I ordered a pizza like 20 minutes ago. I got to go pick it up. All right. Wait, is it just waiting for you? You have to go pick it up like some sort of peasant. They're not going to bring it to no, you. No, that's it's called Uber that's Eats, like, Jack. That's like $7 worth in delivery fees and tips. I'm good. I can drive. I think I'm going to put it like back. They're going to like deconstruct the pizza. Like, oh, we started taking the cheese back off, put on another pizza. Sorry. No. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can drive, Caesar's but you have to put on real people pants to go I'm do looking, it. So it looks I'm, like we all I'm got I'm wearing things real to do. people pants. Wait, I'm wearing joggers. <laughs> Are those? Joggers. You, can, you can wear athletic clothing in public, thing? can't you? Course. It of all course. depends on if you like yourself as a person. You, you're going to be one of those guys who just wears gym oh, shorts. Well, we, we like you, so it, it's going to be fine. Stamp of approval. That does it for the Rock Pile Talk Pile. We'll Bye, see guys. you next week. Stars, we're in a purple, we're in a purple.
star, you're wearing a purple fur.